0: You are listening to Mommying While Muslim podcast, where hosts Uzma and Zeba share their personal stories of mommying in a post 9 11 world. This podcast is designed with the Muslim American mom in mind, so grab a cup of coffee and pull up to their table. As-salamu alaykum, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Mommy While Muslim podcast. This is Uzma Jafri. As you've noticed, my beautiful co-host Zeba Hassan is missing. She unfortunately is very ill. So remember her in your du'as. As you know, her family's gone through a couple of bouts of COVID. They're currently fighting their third one. And subhanAllah, you know, it's not as bad as before because they're all vaccinated and boosted, but it's still there. So uh let's just pray for a swift, speedy, and full recovery for them and for our entire global family that this COVID goes away one day. So I wanted to talk to Zeba this week about our Eid weekend. Interested to know how hers went. Mine, of course, was spent with friends and family. And subhanAllah, most people where I live are not masked. And we did find out this Ramadan a couple of times that events that we attended resulted, well, didn't result necessarily in, but people who attended those events turned up COVID positive. So that's why I kept saying at the beginning of the month, make sure you continue wearing your masks because we're going to see another surge, especially close to Memorial Day. So that's going to be this month. And I am very excited to hear about all of our beautiful listeners who are continuing to mask up because they know that COVID hasn't gone away because that's what people keep saying. It's finished. It's gone. I'm like, no, it's not. That's not how um, epidemics work now. It's still there or endemics now. Um, so just continue your precautions and continue getting tested. You've got two free tests at home and then you can go get more at the pharmacy. You can always go get your free PCRs. Those are continued. So yeah. Um, I am really excited to kick off our May series. I know Zeba was too. This was uh, one of her dream months to get this done and to talk about this particular very hard topic, or in our case, topics, because we put them all in one place. Your spiritual high is super strong after coming out of Ramadan, and we're praying that it stays sustained during this blessed month of shawwal. So make up those fasts, or if you're continuing to fast, remember us in your dua, as we said, and this podcast, of course. Remember it in your dua as well. Um, Our May series is a mouthful. As I said before, it is Sex, drugs, porn, and other addictions. So this is for our Muslim and non-Muslim audiences. We, of course, as a uh, faith community, have particular, you know, biases that we're bringing into the conversation as well. So it's very important for us, uh, to Zeba and myself at least, to bring these to light and talk about some of the problems that. You know, it was completely taboo for us to talk about when we were growing up. And among them were sex, drugs, porn, and other addictions because Muslims don't have addictions to anything. And we personally knew people who had problems and um, they weren't limited to substance abuse. We didn't want to leave anything to your imagination in this series. So we hope you follow along every week for a different episode related to these topics. Right now, this week, we're going to take a deep dive with Tina Khan, mother to a recovering drug addict, learning about some of the resources that she didn't have to support her adult child through his addiction, and the ones the community needs to address this always present and growing problem. We can't play ostrich about it anymore, guys. These are Muslim American kids. They're, um, you know... They're playing drums for us. They're beating the drums, and we need to take a listen. If you don't want your kids to hear this, please go ahead and grab your ear pods or plug in your headphones. Um, And, you know, maybe you'll find that this is appropriate for them to listen because we believe that there's no age age limit to what kids can hear and it's not an explicit episode but it may be a topic that's sensitive for young young ears in the car because we know you're back to uh listening on your commute so we're super excited to invite um sister tina khan on mommy well muslim podcast Salaam alaikum tina how are you Salaam alaikum i'm good thank you for having me over here it's very nice of you to yeah we're so excited to have you and um So humbled that you decided to agree to come on and talk about this so openly, but we know that you have done it and you've done it as a great service to other communities listening. And now we just wanted to bring it home to our Muslim mom community and share you as a valuable resource with them. So just thank you so kindly. Can you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about yourself? Yes. Uh,
1: What I want to uh, tell everybody is that uh, I'm from Lahore, Pakistan. I don't come from a very religious household. But it was a highly educated household. My father was a lawyer. Both my grandfathers were lawyers. And uh, actually, my father was the mayor of Lahore for many years. And uh, I went to a Catholic school. Uh, I went to a Christian private girls college because at that time, it wasn't considered anything un-Islamic to go to a Catholic school. We still remained as Muslims. We just did, we had a period for Islamiyat and the Christian girls would go for catechism and that's how life was and my parents didn't have any issue with that. Nothing happened to us, we didn't turn into Christians, we didn't change our religion and we grew up as Muslims going to a Catholic school and that's how it was. And um, then I did my masters from Punjab University in a co-ed university, which I had a, uh, I was like a nerd at that time, not anymore. I, and then I had an arranged marriage, which I, I had never met my husband. I had never seen him. He was over here in America and I was doing my master's in Pakistan. And our families got together and they decided that, okay, these guys need to get married. And he said yes. And I said yes, because from day one, I this is what I had thought that my parents will find me somebody. I never tried looking for anybody. Mm. So that's how it happened. And I ended up over here after getting married. So that's my yeah. background briefly. Uh, When uh, we started having a family, uh, we tried our best to bring uh, for the upbringing of our kids. We started taking them to the Islamic center at the age of five. And um, I was always a volunteer teacher over there. Later on, I became the principal of the Sunday school over there. And my husband was also involved in the running of the school. And then later on, he became the president a couple of times. So we were closely affiliated with the Islamic Center. And the kids, although they didn't, like wholeheartedly every Sunday wanted to get up and go to the Islamic center because they thought it was. nobody a, does yeah they, <laughs> at that time they thought that it was a boring place and there was no excitement and it's all so like don't make us do the homework and then once I remember my son didn't do his homework and his teacher asked him who was a very strict teacher and she said why didn't you do your homework and said, my parents and I we went to a party last night and I couldn't do the homework and so the yeah teacher, they always write you out yeah the teacher <laughs> called me in and she said you have to stop going to parties because your kids did to do the homework so these are all little little things which the kids went through and we went through thinking that okay just like we ended up being decent muslims they will also end up being decent muslims because that's like i mm-hmm. said i wasn't very from a very religious family but still i knew what islam was but uh, i have to acknowledge that i have learned more about my religion While being in this country, than what I did when I was back home. Because uh, I love hearing that. Yeah, because the thing is, first of all, thank God my husband is very learned in Islam. He's not like a mullah or very, but he knows a lot. And other things, I don't listen to him in any other way. (laughs) Don't pay any attention to what he says. But when it comes to Islam, I have learned everything I can say very clearly that everything that I know today about my religion, 99% of that I've learned from him. So I'm indebted to him for making me, I don't know whether a good Muslim, but at least a little bit of a more enlightened Muslim than what I was when I came to this country. I don't look like a very religious person, but in my heart, I know that I know what basically Islam is. And I have tried to be a good person and I've taught my kids also to be good people. So knowing all of this, uh, what happened was that when the kids were growing up, there was a little bit of conflict between me and my husband and which I think people will understand that we do have conflicts in households and it wasn't Mm -hmm. something which was extraordinary. Uh, The only thing being that... um, my husband wanted the kids to study even on the weekends, in the evening, the whole day long. And I was like, on the weekend, they need to have a little bit of a social life. They need to go out with friends. They need... So we had conflicts like that. And then, I, you know how it is, so that you don't have too much conflict in the house, you start keeping some things from the husband that, okay, if they are going out somewhere, I wouldn't tell him that, yes, they are going out with friends and it's okay. But that slowly and slowly, whatever happened, the kids didn't like go out of control or anything. But it when problems started, I felt that maybe down there, it was my fault. And then the blame game started because he thought that things are going bad. It was only with our son that we had issues. Thank God the girls were like, as you can say, well adjusted to everything because even in school, they would have no problem calling themselves brown people and we brown people do this and we brown people do that. But my son was always one of those who was very sensitive about his brown skin. He was the only brown guy in his class when he went to school. So when he was five years old, he came back home one day and said to me that, "Uh, Amma, can you wash my hands with some soap so that they become white like everybody else's hands? And that just shows that he always was a little bit more sensitive, as compared to my daughters, and I told him very in a very funny way, I said that soap has not yet been invented which can make your brown go
0: away. <laughs> that's really cute,
1: yeah, that's what I told him and but he, in his heart, I think was always a little bit uh cognizant of consciousness yeah that he is yeah. brown, and then but he did go to the Islamic center and he did attend the classes mm-hmm. and all that, and um but then. After 9-11, he had some issues, uh, which were like a lot more complicated than what they looked like at that time. And we didn't realize what was behind all of this. But then slowly and slowly, he started changing a little and he would be out of the house and he wouldn't, uh, he was a brilliant student. He actually didn't even have to study and he would like go through his tests and everything in a very nice way. Mm -hmm. But then he started not going to his classes. And we, because we didn't have any background of what mental health problems are, what drugs are, what they do to you. And we had no idea what was going on. And so things started becoming worse and worse. And like I said, that I just handled it as a mom, not necessarily as a Muslim mom, but as a mom who didn't know what to do and where to go to find out what's going on, and is there any help out there? So this was how the problem started. And as usual, when you have issues uh, with kids or whatever, the domestic life also becomes messed up.
0: Let's slow down for one second. Yes. You were saying that there was no place for you to go. Yeah. You noticed then um, your son started to change after 9-11. Yes. He was sensitive his whole life. Yeah. But then after 9-11, something happened. How old was he at the time or what grade was he in, in He high was school?
1: in 10th grade at that time when 9-11. In
0: 10th grade. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's a really hard age. Yeah. <laughs> remember yeah, that yeah. so when you notice things and you couldn't talk to anybody else because I mean you're just a mom reacting to yeah. your child did you discuss these changes with your husband or with your daughters
1: what happened was that the first time uh, when after 9-11 he had an incident in the school I wanted to go to the school and just talk to them that why some kids had teased him And at that time, my husband said, no, 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 you know what? We shouldn't go to the counselor. We shouldn't go to the school because it will create problems for him in the future because they'll think that. So this is the kind of approach we had that just let's keep quiet about everything and just keep it to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And I have to say that I don't wish it on anybody those years that went by because it was a lonely time. I had stopped seeing other friends because I was so scared that they'll ask me about my son, that what is he studying? Where is he? I didn't want to see anybody. I didn't want to go anywhere. It was a very lonely time. And Mm -hmm. the girls who were younger than him, later on, I don't know how they, I think they became more bonded to each other because they could talk to each other instead of Coming out and asking us what's going on. And then things got more messed up because at that time my mother in law was visiting me from Pakistan. And you know how people in Pakistan are, they're inquisitive about everything. And when my son would be doing crazy things, I had to like hide him from her, not let her see what's going on. If he's not at home, try to pretend he's at home. So it was like, and my husband wouldn't understand all of these things, that why things are so messed up. So it was a very, 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 very stressful part of my life. And uh I don't know how I went through it. It was God, I think, who helped me in that. Mm, yeah.
0: Those tough but, times, it's always Allah that pulls us through it. Yeah. But What exactly was happening in those years, in the last, let's say, two, three years of high school? He was going out, but when did you become aware that it was more than just hanging out with his friends was happening?
1: What happened was that he actually, uh, when he did his uh, high school, he finished, and he had to go to college. He didn't like get very fantastic marks, but he had good enough marks, but he wanted to go to UMass Amherst. And Mm -hmm. uh, so we said, okay that's fine. You can go to UMass Amherst. But uh, the moment he went there, we realized, I think this was later on that we realized that over there, it's known as a party school anyway. Sorry for anybody. Total party listening. school.
0: Yeah, <laughs> My husband went there. Yeah, so,
1: he, But the thing is that people who go there don't necessarily come out of there as a mess. But if you already are a little mess, yeah. there is a possibility. That's what I have figured out that then you just mm-hmm. go out of control. So we sent mm-hmm. him over there and slowly and slowly somehow he would just say to me that, you know what, Amma, we had like a full meal plan for him and extra food and all that. But he would always say that, you know what, Amma, I always feel hungry. So can you give me some money so that I can buy some extra food? So I said, sure. And so I started giving him some extra money so that because my heart would sink with the thought that, oh, my God, of course, he's hungry, poor hungry child. Oh, my God. (laughs) Every Muslim mom's nightmare. (laughs) And I was like, no, 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 it's okay. Don't even feel like that. I'll give you the money and just buy whatever you feel like and just buy extra food for yourself. And this went on. Later on, I found out that my husband was also giving him money, but we didn't talk to each other about that. We just kept it as a secret. Oh, wow. Because I, but it was like something I couldn't. And I said, oh, my God, he's going to think that we are paying so much money and we are giving him all that food. But why? So I just didn't. We didn't discuss with each other. But then, thank God, thank God, he himself one day realized that he was completely out of control. And... uh he told us what was going on. He would miss his classes. So uh, we asked him what's going on. So one day he said that, listen, parents, I am completely a mess. I want you to come to the college and talk to my, uh, what do you call, the Guidance counselor, counselor, advisor. Yeah, the guidance counselor and discuss it with them because I have been discussing it with them. But you guys need to come in because I'm out of control. He said it to us. Thank God. Thank wow. God. And then we yeah. talked to uh, them and they said that you need to take him home and just keep him over there because we realized that maybe the pressure of asking him to study is making him go completely berserk so we said that okay you don't need to study you don't need to do anything just come home and we'll see what we can do but then that time was also so difficult because he would just go out of the house take my car i need to go to my job he has taken my car and i don't have a car and all these crazy things were happening and then like i said that we didn't know like there were any muslim help out there or any help out there uh there was one lady who's a Muslim and she's a psychiatrist. And I actually asked my husband that, why don't we take him to her? And we were so like scared of the taboo of the society and the community finding out what's going on. He said, no, 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 we don't need to go to her. So our his own doctor suggested a regular American psychiatrist and we started going to him. And, oh, my God, he wanted to see him like four times a week. The insurance just covered like one time a week. So my husband said, we need to fix our son. I don't care if we have the money or not. We are going to just take him whenever he wants. And this went on and on and on. And I I don't know. I felt that there is something missing. This is not going to solve the problem. But mm-hmm. nobody listened to me. And uh, my husband just thought... Why do you think you had that feeling? Because the thing is, It's a very strange kind of a thing. Maybe my son will say that this was the truth, that when he was making some friends in high school, one day I had said to him that, you know what, please don't make these guys your friends because I don't know what it was. To tell you the truth, I still can't understand. But this was the sentence I had said to him in high school. I said, I have a feeling that someday because you are friends with these people, you are going to end up in a ditch somewhere. I said this to him because I had this feeling about, but then my son said that, you know what, you always thought that it was the American kids who were making me do drugs. But Amma, I never told you that the first people who introduced me to drugs were your own friends, kids, Muslim kids who went to the Islamic center. They are the ones who introduced me to drugs. And Mm -hmm. but none of the families ever accepted the fact that our kids have any issues I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't tell anybody what's going on. And even now when everything has come out some uh, about my son and he's been telling the world what he went through, one of my own friends said to another friend that, you know what? Did you know that he was a drug addict all this life? Not thinking that hmm. it is an issue which people have. This is a mental situation. This, But no. Even at our Islamic center, one day I suggested that uh, we should have, like uh, this was many years ago, that we should have a support group for moms or parents who are going through all of this. And then I thought about it. Yeah. And then I thought about it. And you know why I didn't do it is? Because I said that people are going to say she's the only one who's having the issue. That's why she wants this. And there is no such thing as confidentiality, which we can do that. Because my son told me that the support groups he went to, which were Christian support groups, he would never come and tell us who he saw over there. And he told me that I have seen people who we know never mentioned a word, never mentioned a name because it was confidential. But I have no, to tell you, I'm sorry to say, but I don't have that much confidence in my own society or in my own community that they would have that kind of confidentiality. So that's why right. I, I didn't start that group. But lately, I'm very happy that I talked to a couple of people and we started this mental health issue and we started a support group at the uh, masjid. We had the first Mm -hmm. meeting and somebody just told, not that many showed up at that meeting. But somebody told me that uh, she had talked about uh, this group to another Muslim person. And they said, well, we don't come to the Islamic center for issues like that. We only go there for religious issues. This is our problem. People don't realize we are all in the same boat. The problem, I think, with us Muslims is that everybody thinks that we Muslims don't have such issues. The society has it, the other people have it, but we are not the people who will have that issues. And I just beg and say to people that open up your eyes. We are all in the same boat. We live in the same world. Our kids, our families go through the same issues. Don't think that it is a family's fault that something like this happens. Don't right. think that it's a kid who's a bad kid that something like this is happening. It happen can happen to anybody. And we have to look at it as a mental health issue and not as a taboo or a stigma. This is my approach to everything because it's a very, very lonely life. And I still know a couple of moms who are going through this, but they just... Don't know what to do about it. And this is. Do they come to you for help? I give them help on my own because I found Mm -hmm. out and I love that person and I just go to her myself and she just doesn't know what to do. So Mm -hmm. I don't know. It's something that people need to think about very seriously that this is something not. It's not something that is going to go away just because you think it's not there and not think of Mm -hmm. it as somebody else's problem. It's everybody's problem.
0: 100%. Yeah. You're talking about some of the social stigma in our community about it. I've even heard, you know, the things that people say. I've even heard um, them say kind of happily that oh look the religious person's family yes. they're the ones that are the most messed up yeah. like all these strict parents that yeah. make their kids go to Islamic school yeah. or make their kids yeah. go to Tarabi their kids are the wildest and they're happy about it. it's like yes. gossip yes you know for them and it's um it was always disheartening to me yeah. I mean, I've had on the mush to the grounds, people talk smack about other people's kids, oh, yeah. you oh, know, yeah. where I had to step up and defend and be like, "No, don't go there. Yeah. Like until you've walked in the shoes of that child or that parent, exactly. you have no right to say anything, you know, and it's against our religion to do what you're doing. I like what you're doing is a bigger sin than what they're going through. They have a mental health issue. What's your excuse, yeah. you know? Yeah. And it, that's just a personality issue and there's no medicine for that. Yeah. SubhanAllah. Yeah. I want to rewind a little bit. Yeah. Because I know if Zeba were here, she would point out a couple of things. First of all, with you saying, I know I'm not like, you know, I don't look like a very religious Muslim. And I just kind of want to erase that concept of what a religious Muslim looks like. Because Muslims come in all shapes and sizes.
1: As far as bringing up the kids and all that, we taught them to be good human beings. We taught Mm -hmm. them the principles of Islam. We taught them that you don't have to look down upon anybody who is not from your faith or not from your religion or from not from your cultural background because all of us are creations of God. That's what I think if all Muslims remember that and stop criticizing each other or even people of other religions, I think that's the need of the time right now.
0: This episode is sponsored by Guidance Residential. Guidance Residential has helped over 30,000 families achieve home ownership without compromising their faith. Will you be next? Let them help you. Find Guidance Residential both on Facebook and Instagram at Guidance Residential and get your questions answered. Don't let halal home ownership just be a dream to you. Now, we get questions often about, you know, well, my husband wants to do this, but I want to do this or, you know, the different parenting styles that you were talking about. Can you, can we go a little bit deeper into that? Especially when you brought your son home from college, did that differing parenting style continue? No, Did it continue to be a problem? No. If not, what changed?
1: I was going to come to that. What happened was that while he was going through that real dark time, twice he tried to take his life, my Hmm. son. Because of the depression, he went to the hospital. They kept him over there. He wouldn't take his medications. While all of that was happening, I think that brought me and my husband together. Because the thing is, then the purpose of life became how can we save our son? How can we help him to go through this time? And how both of us have to do it together. So can you imagine from our house to UMass Amherst was two and a half hours of drive. Every day my husband drove him to his class so that he doesn't have to Um, stay there. He would sit outside in the car, wait for him to go to the class and then bring him back home. And he did that for till the time it was time for his graduation so that he could finish his, but he still didn't finish his graduation over there. He then went to UMass Lowell. There also he got messed up. But in the end, like I said, That time when he tried to take his life was the time when we realized that we have to forget about blaming each other, why this happened, how it happened. Now the purpose is that can we bring our son back to us as Mm -hmm. the person he was. And the, the way we did it was that we just told him that no matter what happens, we are never going to abandon you. We are your parents and we are going to do everything to make you better. And we don't blame you for anything and we don't think you are a bad kid. Whenever he did something wrong, I always said that the drugs are making you do that. This is not you, my son, because I know you are a good person at heart, but you have no control over yourself. So that is what we had to do and we kept doing it. And that's what he still says that it was my family which brought me through this. Plus, he attended all these meetings and support groups and he still goes to all these meetings and support groups. And he has helped so many kids who are going through this that he has become like a role model for many people. And I just hope and pray to Allah that he stays like this and every night and every time. And the thing is that no matter what this depression thing is, like the doctor said, that you never know when it can come back. Anything can trigger it. So whenever yeah. I don't see him for two days or three days, he just thinks I'm a crazy mom. <laughs> <laughs> just now he had gone to Los Angeles for his podcast. Like uh, he had been nominated for an award. So he went over there. Wonderful. Yeah. And, uh, I thought he was back and he didn't answer my call. So then I tried to call his uh, wife and she didn't answer my call. And then I called my daughter and said, oh my God. Because every kind of crazy thought comes to my mind that he went over there. Somebody offered him drugs and he started again and now he's gone again. This is what happens to me. Every five minutes, I get this little thing. So I called my daughter and she said, Amma, will you stop treating him like a little kid? He's at the movies with his wife, so leave them alone. I'm telling you he's going to be 40 and I still do that. I can't help it because I know in five hard. minutes, everything that happened comes back and I just okay. feel that, Oh my God. So this is, I talk about it now in a funny way, but it wasn't a good time.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it sounds like, you know, he's continuing a lot of his therapy and yes. his recovery because yeah. Yeah. he will be a lifelong recovering yeah. addict. That is yeah. what they teach yeah. you at NA and AA. Yeah. Um, Have you or your husband gone through any kind of therapy as a result of what happened? Because if you're getting so easily triggered by him not picking up the phone now. He keeps
1: telling us all the time that, mom, you need to to go and see somebody. Amma, you need to go and see. But uh, thank God, I just always have felt that I'm my own psychiatrist, to tell you the truth. I'm not a doctor. I'm not a therapist. I have gone through a few things in life. It doesn't sound like a very good thing. I know that I should go and see somebody, but I have always felt that I can bring myself out of whatever I'm going through by talking to myself. Because when I had cancer, I would tell everybody, people say that, why me? And I always said, why not me? What Mm -hmm. has somebody done who has cancer to get cancer? Nobody can blame mm-hmm. anybody for getting cancer and the same thing goes with right. everything yeah. else. So if it has happened, is the crying going to do me any good? Is the being, no,
0: but you don't have to go to a therapist
1: and cry. Oh, well, the thing is uh, I just, that <laughs> my kids insist that I should go, but I have not gone to anybody.
0: Yeah. I feel like that's a whole nother podcast, yes. <laughs> but what I like you saying is uh, the whole why not part, because Uh, I think the typical reaction for a lot of like high, high kind of moms, like this happened to us. Why did this happen to us? We're good people. We like, you know, volunteer in the masjid. We pray, we give zakat, we do everything. Why did this happen to me? Or why did this happen to my child? You ain't special. You know, why not you? Why not you? Why not your child? You know, it can happen to any of us.
1: So you have to like have faith in God. And that's what brought us out of all of this. And every day, when I comb my hair, when I didn't have a single hair on my head, I thank God for giving me the hair. Every day mm-hmm. when the kids like come and see me and I see that they are nicely settled in life, I thank God because no matter what, he is there to take care of us.
0: That's yeah, a hundred percent. And especially in this dark time um, in your family's life. So you mentioned a little bit of this, but I wanted to go a little bit deeper in it. Yeah. Um, you mentioned mom guilt and we talk about that a lot on the podcast because, yeah. you know, for everything, our kid stubs his toe, he gets a B, yeah. he didn't pack the perfect lunch, he brings it back uneaten. It's all my fault. Yeah. Like I'm carrying that for like the rest of the week. Like, oh, I have to outperform like yesterday's lunch, you know. What did you do to finally shut up that voice in your head? that said, oh, it's because maybe I did this or maybe I did that in this high school. You know, I my parenting style differed. I wasn't on the same page as my husband. This is my fault. Yes. How did you get that voice to shut up? The thing
1: is that, uh, like I told you earlier also, that my husband and I had different views about bringing up the children. So that conflict was always there. He doesn't come from a very religious family, but he comes from a little bit of a more conservative family than I did. Mm-hmm. So we had little, little like conflicts about little things. And sometimes we would, uh, I, I would say that it's the big things that we have to talk about and not the little things. But that's what, when this thing started happening, I had that feeling in my heart that maybe I should have listened to him and maybe I should have done things differently. Maybe if I wouldn't have allowed him to go with his friends, maybe if I would have just listened to the husband and said, just do your homework every weekend and not go anywhere. But it was a mixture of all these things that I blamed myself in my heart. And then Mm -hmm. that, I don't know how I got rid of it, Maybe I said to myself, the husband was still wrong and I'm right.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He did it his way and that didn't work either. (laughs) But uh,
1: it was a bad guilt and it was there for a long, long time. And uh, then actually my son sat down with us after he was like getting out of it. And he approached every person that he, this is a process that they go through when they're going through uh, uh, that Yes, they
0: have to go back and make amends. Yeah, Mm -hmm. so
1: when he was making amends, he said to us, like separately and collectively, that guys, it wasn't your fault. It wasn't because you guys fought with each other. It wasn't that. It was just things just didn't work out for me. So don't ever think that it's your fault. So that helped a little. But then through that period, it was very difficult for me to get this out of my head that maybe if I would have done things differently, maybe if I would have done this, maybe if I would have done that. But um, it took a long time for that guilt to go away.
0: We talked a little bit about how the girls got closer as a result of what your son was going through. Um, Have you ever spoken to them about like the effects of watching their brother decompensate due to drug abuse?
1: Now that they have grown up and we've gone through everything and it's so strange that all of them have become so close now. There was a time when just the girls were like together and the son was Uh. like, Amma, you take care of Shah Jahan. Amma, you take care of him because, oh, oh oh, we can't, oh, we can't. But then they just got so close to each other. But now all three of them like love each other and they get together more than we, they get together with us.
0: <laughs> Behind so, your back. Yeah. Well, that's good. So,
1: yeah. But they also, poor yeah. things went through a very rough time because they were so like scared of what was going on. And they also were like, uh, couldn't face it and couldn't come and discuss it with us, what's going on. But they had this like, um, what can I say? Like this feeling of antagonism, like he is messing up our life right now because he yeah. cannot live yeah. a normal life. That's how I felt. And I would like get mad at them that why are they because we are trying to fix him. and They were like, once I remember when he went to college, I think or something. Uh, and I was like so sad while all of this was going on. And my daughter came to me and said, it looks like somebody died in this house. Why is there so much like sadness around here? But oh. she couldn't take it either. She was a teenager herself and she couldn't understand yeah. why I was so sad all the time. So this is how it came out. It looks like somebody died over here. So it was like I said, and they, I don't know how they got through it. I said being with each other, I think made them go through that time because I'm sure they talked to each other about everything. Now they tell me that they did talk about all of this stuff with each other. But you didn't bring it up with them. Not openly for a long, long Mm -hmm. time because it was. Why not? It was so difficult to tell them that because I just felt that if I tell them that he's doing this, they'll hate him. And I don't want them to hate their own brother. That was the feeling I had that if I tell them, they're just not going to like him and they're going to say that he's messed up and they're going to like. And I wanted that when we are gone, at least this. Siblings should be close to each other and they should love each other. And in this country, I don't have much family because all my family is back home. And I always said that, oh, my God, if they are not nice to each other, how will they live life and we will not be there? So that is what I just felt like hiding from them that he's doing bad things.
0: But I'm not going to tell them because then they won't like Mm -hmm. him as a brother and all that. But now they. Okay, so that was the reason. But now you can talk about it openly. Oh, yeah,
1: now all of us can joke around it and ch- talk about <laughs> it. And they say, remember what you did at that time and remember why you did that and remember this. So uh, now everybody has like come out with everything and nothing is a secret. We can talk about it. But as far as the world is known, the community still cannot talk about these things openly. Although yeah, podcasts yeah. have come out, I have told the world everything. But I, nobody has, can you imagine, except for one or two friends of mine who, after listening to the broadcast in which he told his story, have come out and talked to me. Nobody has ever said anything up till now to say that we are so sorry, except there are two or three young people, which I believe are more open-minded. They, uh, Uh when they heard the broadcast, because we told everybody about the broadcast in which he's telling his story.
0: And And the broadcast you're referring to is King of the World Podcast, and your son is the host of that. It's a series of seven uh, episodes, and we've talked about it, I think, on this podcast before as well, and have been on a panel with her son uh, talking about the effects of 9-11 on a lot of our generation um, and different generations of Muslim Americans. And it is- I mean, it's very open and he's very, very open about what what you keep referring to as this is, but he was like the drugs, you know, I was crazy hooked on drugs. And um, he does say in there how critical it was for his family. My question to you is, you know, you didn't initially talk to your husband about what was going on and then you didn't confront your daughters about what was going on because you wanted them to, you know, be oblivious to their brother's shortcomings or brother's perfect. Um, If you went back, would you do it over again? That way?
1: Uh, I don't know, but uh, I think more openness probably would be better for everybody to understand what's going on. But it depends on who you talk to. Like immediate family, Mm -hmm. I think it's very necessary that everybody should be on the same page because that makes life much easier. You can understand Mm -hmm. each other and you can see why a person is behaving in a certain way. It's better like that. But as far as your Friends or relatives are concerned that I'm still not clear whether our community or our society as Muslims or as Pakistanis or Indians, whether we still are ready to accept all these things as something which is not in our control or it's not the parent's fault or it's not the bad kid. They are not, they haven't yet reached that point. So, Hmm. but I just wish and hope and pray that someday everybody will get to a point even the society over here in America has not gotten to that point because mental health is still a right. taboo. Mental health is n- right. still not considered as something that can be talked about openly with everybody. So if the world, which is like the most modernized, westernized educated world cannot understand, how can we expect expect our families or our cultures to accept it as something which is a reality and it should be faced as a reality and as not something that something is wrong with the family, that it, the outcome was this.
0: Yeah. So. so what I'm hearing is that there really aren't any sources nationally for Muslim Americans who are dealing with Maybe substance they abuse. Are. And I do want to mention to the audience that substance abuse is a DSM-IV diagnosis, which means it is a mental health disorder. Yeah. So it is classified as a mental health disorder. And that's why we keep saying that. It is a real and true danger. And we all know, I feel like mental health in the last 20 years, especially, we are getting better as a community talking about it, at least when we see it on social media. And I don't know how active you are on social media, Tina, but you know, people are talking about that. I haven't heard the conversation about substance abuse yet, which is why I'm asking what resources Muslim Americans can tap into yeah. if they're dealing with substance abuse in their household or with someone they love.
1: Yeah, that's what I was saying, that maybe there are sources out there, I am not aware of it. Because the mental health thing that I said that we did at the Islamic Center a few, uh, like a month ago, it was again, basically the person, there was a, a social worker who came over to talk about it. But again, it was mostly like a rigmarole of things talking around mental health, not just talking about drugs, or like the other things that you have said, the other addictions which are out there. Mm -hmm. Because I think Mm -hmm. she just didn't feel the need or she didn't feel like she should be addressing that one issue or at least mention the name drugs. She gave an hour and a half or maybe two hours worth of a presentation, but it was about mental health, that this is what you can do, this is a general Mm -hmm. mental health. Mm -hmm. That showed me that although there are maybe resources, like you said, you can get in touch with me and I can talk to you and all that. But still, it is something that has not yet been accepted as something we can talk about easily, just like we can talk about other issues. Why can't we talk about we can talk about cancer all the time, that it's a disease and it's a bad disease and we need to do something. Why can't we talk about this? We have not yet I don't know, as a community or as a society or as a country or on the whole, come to that point where it can be discussed as easily as anything else. What do you think about it? Can it be
0: discussed? Well, I think absolutely. I think yeah. maybe this professional that you invited to talk to the masjid wanted to give an overview and check the temperature or the pulse of the community yeah. and see how receptive are they to mental mental health. And like you said, not a lot of people showed up. But if she gave more specific, you know, if and I would say, for us as individuals, community members wanting this information, yeah. we should feel comfortable saying, I want a presentation on porn. Yeah. I want a presentation on drugs. Yes. I want a presentation on depression and suicide risk yeah. in my kids. Because, you know, studies have shown that there is a higher risk of teen suicide yeah. amongst Muslim teens in America yes. because of all the Islamophobic acts that are happening against them. Exactly. They're our first line yes. to exactly. fall, you know? So um, I think it's really important for us to be clear about what we need and go to those professionals, especially those uh, professionals that are culturally sensitive to us, who look and live like us, who pray like us, who speak like us. I think it's really, really important to get that trust of the community built. Um, The issue is getting people to attend, right? Because everybody's going to think, Oh, if I go to this, they then everybody think, else can think that I need this, exactly. you know? And I may need it, but they can't and, know that. Yes, I need it. Exactly. But thank <laughs> so god So that's the problem. Yeah.
1: But thank God my son was saying that he has been asked by the Islamic Center to come and give a talk to the youth over there. So Wonderful has, Mashallah. Yeah, and he has done this at many other schools and all that, but to go to the Islamic Center and talk about but that's all That's a huge deal. Our Islamic Centre will do it. No other Islamic Centre will do it.
0: Uh, yeah, yes, that's terrible. Yeah, because you live in a very busy Muslim metro center. Yeah, and that's that's terrible that only one has asked because I think that would have made that would make the biggest difference yeah. is for children to hear him because I know growing up for me being in all the just say no and the dares yeah. and all of that stuff it was the recovering addicts coming and telling us yeah. and I specifically remember one recovering addict he's still alive and I'm going to say Allah reward him he's not Muslim but. You know, he would call it the monkey on my back. Mm. I always have a monkey on my back. It's never going to leave me. Yeah. And that's what drugs do to you. Yeah. So, if you know, for the rest of your life, you're dealing with this illness. Yeah. So don't get into it in the first place. And, you know, he turned his life completely around. And I pray the same for your son, yeah. inshallah. And I'm just so happy yeah. with your family. I'm thrilled to let the audience know that you and your husband are both on King of the World podcast too. And it was like, when I heard you, I was like... <laughs> I got to get her on Mommy Well Muslim. She's coming on Mommy Well Muslim. I don't care what it takes. And then I started stalking your family and showed up at your house for dinner. So I really appreciate you entertaining a complete stranger so and her whole nice family you.
1: at your no, house. No. It was so nice meeting you. And I really appreciate that you called me to be a guest over here. And I hope other people start thinking about all these issues. Yeah. That they are everybody's issues.
0: So if somebody were to listen to this podcast and say, oh, gee, like I really – uh want to get her perspective. Can they stalk you like I did? Oh, yeah. Anybody can stalk Okay, great. Is Is there a place? Can I give out your email address on our show notes to have people contact you?
1: I have no issue with that because I just feel when 9-11 happened after that, I started giving talks on Islam. Like I said, that I'm not a very religious person. I don't know that much. I don't have that much knowledge. But I must have given lectures in schools and colleges and churches and synagogues, at least 150 lectures on Islam and women yeah. in Islam and all that kind of stuff. And one day I was at a high school and I sometimes get very emotional about these things. And I was giving a talk about Islam and I just said to, uh, which, was, which came from my heart, I said that, you know what? Being a Muslim in this country, I sometimes feel that maybe God had this plan that he's going to send me over here and I'm going to go and give talks to non-Muslims. And I said that if I keep doing this throughout my life, and one person can just get this message from me that Islam is not a bad religion. I said, I will feel that I have done my job. So there was this one girl and she was dressed up like, a you know, that gothic way in which you have earrings, yeah. black stuff and all that.
0: The but, grunge look, yeah. that's my look. And she had it.
1: tattoos all over her. She came to me and hugged me and she had tears in her eyes. And she said to me, I always get emotional about this. She said to me, Mrs. Khan, you've done your job. So that's why even in my son's thing, I feel that if I can help one mom or one person just to get over it or just to go through it in a decent way, I'll think that I've done my job and
0: uh, that's it. Yeah. And your son will make that testament that you totally did your job and meeting your beautiful family. Like, I know you did it and I would be honored to walk in your footsteps. If I had to deal with the same thing, I know that you're there for us. So thank you so much for that. Thank you very much. Thanks a lot. One of the things that we do to wrap up our episode is do a rapid fire. And I'll ask you a question. And it's Got nothing to do with what we just talked about because everything we said was so heavy. This is supposed to be a little lighthearted and get to know you a little bit better. And top of mind, first answer that comes to your head—that's all you need to answer. There's no wrong answers for anybody. So you've got 90 seconds. Okay. And we'll do. Uh, we'll start with our favorite first question. What book are you reading right now? I
1: actually don't have any time for reading any books these days. <laughs> I just do. Because. No, no book at all. So I'm not going to lie that I'm reading a book. I'm not reading any
0: book right now. What is a hidden talent that other people may not know you have?
1: Oh, good question. I just think that the only talent I have is that I'm a people's person and enjoy human beings and people find out about that very quickly
0: about me. So there's no hidden. Very quickly. Yes, I did too.
1: (laughs) There's no hidden talent. All right. All
0: right. If you could win an Olympic medal for any sport, real or fake, what would it be? Running.
1: I used to be so good at running. running. That's a real sport. Wow, yeah. you're a good runner? Oh, yeah. I used to be. Not in this age, but I used to be. <laughs> and even, Very impressive. Even in the basketball, I used to be like the one who would always put all the baskets in there. We used oh to call it, wow! It's a power it forward here. Netball in Pakistan, we called it netball, not basketball.
0: Oh, it's not basketball. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Very nice. Yeah. Uh, next question is: What's one thing your mother or father taught you that completely changed your life?
1: They just taught me that you have to be what you are. Don't ever pretend to be somebody else. I love that. And that's what I've always been. I cannot, even if I try to pretend to be somebody else, I cannot succeed.
0: in it. It doing. <laughs> it doesn't work. It doesn't work. doesn't work. All right. And I think we have time for one more question. If you could instantly become an expert in any subject, what would it be? Psychology. Is that because of everything you went through with your family? Yeah.
1: And I studied psychology also when I was in college and I loved it. Ah. So, but that's what I would do.
0: It's never too late. I mean, there's always room on your plate to do one more thing <laughs> if you want to get that PhD and then teach the, you know, oh, mental abuse disorders, do that including too substance many abuse. many times
1: I have wanted to do that. Maybe I- you
0: can do anything. Thank you. I if you can go through what you went through, I know you can do anything. Thank you very much. That's very nice of you. Yeah, thank you. It was such an honor to have you on today. I appreciate everything that you shared with us, Jizakaleger. Thank you. Thanks again for joining Zeba and Uzma Wal Momming While Muslim today. Please email us your thoughts or questions and follow us on Facebook and Instagram because this podcast was designed to cater your needs. Make sure you check out the show notes to find the links and resources for this episode. And remember to help a mama out and leave a review of the show as well as to like it on your podcast app of choice because that helps us grow. Tune in next week for another episode of Momming While Muslim. as alaikum everyone.